Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Titletown Packers podcast. I'm here with Braun, and we're here to talk about a phenomenal win over the Detroit Lions on Sunday and look forward to this Saturday night's uh, matchup with the Carolina Panthers. Saturday night football should be a good one. But first, Green Bay Packers, NFC North champions, second year in a row. Unbelievable what they've been able to do the past two years. Braun, how are you feeling after the win? Yeah, it was a great win. Uh, exciting now that we've clinched the NFC North. We've clinched a top three playoff spot all in the same day. Um, we've got a lot of things to talk about, and I'm excited to do that with you, Griffin. Yeah, and on Sunday as well, the Philadelphia Eagles somehow beat the New Orleans Saints. Jalen Hurts in his first ever start. They beat the Saints, so the Packers now sit at 10-3 and with the Saints. But, of course, we have the tiebreaker uh, because of that week three win over the Saints. So we currently have the number one seed, and the number one seed is in our own control. And in a year where the number one seed means more than it ever has, considering only the one seed gets the bye, uh, it's it's very important that the Packers can wrap that up, and it's it's they control their own destiny here. So uh, just to start with this win over the Detroit Lions at Ford Field, it was another great showing from the offense. They looked very strong, just as they always do. It's becoming a guarantee that they're going to put up 30 points at least. And, you know, the defense and special teams, they're always good at keeping teams in game. So we're never really pulling away from teams, but it, it feels more like a dominant win than the scoreboard shows. And that was the case on Sunday. Yeah, it felt like you never were worried about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers pulling that game out. Uh, and, you know, not to say the score wasn't close, which it was, but you you always felt that the Packers had the advantage clearly over that Detroit defense. So if it ever came to a last minute drive, uh, you felt like the offense and, and all the guys there were going to come out on top. Yeah, this offense is just so insanely efficient that it's like, <laughs> I'm like you said, I'm never worried at any point in the game, especially against these bad teams like the Jaguars game. Like, can you believe how insanely close that game was? We only won by four points, but not one point in that game was I worried that we were going to lose. I felt the same way in the Vikings game, actually, a game in which we did lose. So, but overall, the offense is just so good that we don't really have to worry about these things against these bad teams like we have had to in the past. So it's great to see the offense dominating at the level they are. But uh, a player we got to talk about, I mean, you know, Rodgers, he's the MVP right now. Devontae Adams, best receiver in the league. It's becoming a guarantee that Rodgers is going to throw three touchdowns. Devontae's going to have 10 catches, a touchdown, and Big Bobby's going to have a touchdown. He's had one in, I think, five straight games now, something like that. So the player I'd like to highlight here is is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who <laughs> we're riding, we are on the full roller coaster with MVS, as we talked about last week. Because he has games where he's great, a couple two-game, three-game stretch where he's great, and then he does nothing. He doesn't even get a, a, a yard the past two weeks. He doesn't have any yards. But then, of course, he explodes back onto the scene this week against the Lions. And uh, it was really, really a good showing. He did all the things that me and you, Braun, said he cannot do. He was a move-the-sticks type of receiver rather than uh, take-the-top-off-the-defense kind of receiver. He didn't. This was the most yards in his entire career without a 25-yard catch. He had 85 yards on Sunday. Never has he put up 85 without at least a 25-yard catch. So it's great to see him, you know, utilizing his skill set. Defensive backs are scared of his speed. They're going to back off off the snap. So it's good to see us taking advantage of uh, that treatment on MVS. Yeah, look, this guy, he struggled the past couple weeks. He's really, you know, we know about him, what he is. Uh, His thing is inconsistency. And this week, uh, he brought something that we haven't seen all year. More more and more encouraging signs from him coming out. 
and, and this one was refreshing uh, to see him kind of do what you said, which was get all his targets and, and come up with all these catches in the intermediate and short passing game. Uh, you mentioned it, you know, his, his longest reception was 21 yards. That was on that, uh, that crucial fourth down uh, that they were able to come up with. And, and you saw what he was able to do uh, throughout the game, just being this route running, just guy that's going to go up and get it. And the one impressive play that we have to talk about was that touchdown catch where he plucked the ball out of the air and then brought it down with one hand at the end, falling to the ground, guy smothered all over him. Gorgeous throw from Rodgers, great play from MVS. And, that you know, that's something we haven't seen. His, his issues come with, you know, the drops. Obviously, that's one of the things that are one of his biggest concerns. And, and he comes out and makes a play like that pretty – pretty early in the game and, and you're excited about what he can do uh, for the rest of the game. And, and we saw that he ended up with 85 yards, six catches uh, and that touchdown. So it was an impressive day for him. Um, and, you know, Green Bay needs him to play like that because if he can find that consistency down the stretch, um, we're going to be in a good spot at the receiver position. Yeah. That touchdown is a catch that I <laughs> never in a million years would I expect a guy like MVS uh, to make because it's, when he doesn't have a drop, it's something to celebrate. And this was his first game ever. In fact, his first game of his career with at least three targets where he caught all of his targets. He was targeted six times. He had six receptions. He didn't drop one. He didn't miss one. He had that. He had that one play. Uh, I think it was in the second quarter. Or no, it was the first play of the second half, excuse me, where he's blowing past the defensive back. Looks like six points, but he gets held. And uh, that was that was the one target he had where he didn't catch it, but he was held on it. So, uh, and the play didn't count on the stat sheet. So it's great to see him really becoming. I don't know if he's becoming it. I really don't. It. I don't want to get too excited over a game like this, but it was really nice to see him utilized as the weapon we all assume he can be. Look, he had that. We talked about that fourth down, the the hook and ladder, where he comes up, gets that ball in a whole shot type situation. Um, and that's something that Rodgers and him haven't connected on a ton this year. Rodgers even had a pick on one. I think it was against Jacksonville, and, and that connection hasn't been there. But we're seeing more and more Rodgers getting comfortable with, with those whole shots to guys like Alan Lazard, who's coming back now, rounding into shape. And MVS, like we saw on Sunday, where those guys collapsing into the zone isn't going to scare Rodgers, you know, or, you know, MVS sitting in a spot. Rodgers is confidently going to throw that ball in there. Gorgeous one on that MVS on that MVS play because it takes a lot of confidence and trust, and obviously it takes a fantastic ball which Rogers fired between defenders. and And when you go out and do that, that shows you what kind of offense this could be because it's so so versatile in so many ways, uh, and they're able to just do about everything they want to do out there. Uh, and the whole shots are are coming more and more. Uh, I really think it's it's a great opportunity to get guys the ball. Uh, and just move the sticks as opposed to needing that run after the catch stuff when you're just able to slice and dice the zone uh, in between uh, in between guys that are collapsing. Uh, I think it's a great, great thing to be doing. And, and when you have a guy like MVS able to do that for Rodgers, it, it just puts us in even a better spot. Yeah, when you're looking at the, the 2019 to 2020 improvement with Rodgers, it's, it comes down to plays like that where he trusts his receivers and he's willing to fire a ball into double coverage in the tiniest of windows because he trusts his guys to make a play. Where last year, that was one of the biggest flaws of the offense. Rodgers not trusting guys. Rodgers uh, looking off open receivers, looking at other players downfield. But this year, we're seeing him fire into open windows. And on the first drive, too, the pass to EQ, that was great. That was classic Rodgers rolling right uh, off schedule, just fires it into EQ, trusting him to make a play. 
So it's that was good encouraging. To see. Yeah, that that yeah for to, sure. To see EQ getting some some good runs here and and uh, you know have success with Rodgers, that is crucial because. If MVS, Devante, other guys go down, we need somebody who's getting getting some action uh, and having a little bit of success. And we see EQ every week make a, a play or two, uh, and that's got to be good for what we've got going on. Yeah, especially as of late, he's really been coming on. But you know, in, in EQ's rookie season, twenty eighteen, we we only saw a couple couple glimpses of him, but it was it was definitely encouraging what we saw we saw Rodgers he seemed like a guy that Rodgers trusted we saw him throw to EQ before he broke out of his route on a couple occasions in 2018 so we were excited coming into the year but you know he gets injured at the start of training camp and he was a very slow start to the season where he wasn't even on the field for most plays even when he was healthy but you know the last couple of weeks we're definitely seeing him start to come on pretty strong and uh that's encouraging we need the wide receiver depth desperately considering that Devontae Adams is kind of all we've had the past few years in Green Bay. So EQ, MVS, Tavon Austin, Alan Lazard, these guys coming on is definitely going to be important for the offense down the stretch. And, you know, if you want to talk about Rodgers here, just because of how well he's been playing, he put up another phenomenal performance this week. Uh, 26 of 33, that's a great game. He's, his completion percentage is higher than most years of his career, uh, and he's doing it because everything's on schedule, everything's quick. Everything's nice and easy for him, and Matt LaFleur is helping him in that area as well. Uh, but he had a lot of success. He scored a lot of points. He had three touchdowns, you know, one to Devontae, one to MVS, and one to Tanyan. And, and then he's got that rushing touchdown as well on that long 14-play drive. You know, it, it's a great day for him, and, and we saw what Patrick Mahomes did um, uh, against that Miami Dolphins team through three picks. They win the game, but you know, to me, that that really put up Aaron Rodgers over the top. If he wasn't there already, Rodgers is at the top of that MVP conversation. And, you know, it was just a great game for him. Um, and Rodgers, have- Rodgers cannot throw three picks in the game and end up winning. It's, no, it's really never, impossible. It, it, it wouldn't happen. And, and that's the, the crazy thing about this award. You talk, you talk about most valuable. I think that illustrates it to me. You know, we've talked about Matt Moore coming in and they have success on offense and they still win football games. When Rodgers goes out, it's nothing close. I mean, he's just such an impactful player. He, he does so many different things uh, for us in so many ways. And if he keeps playing like this, it's not just about the MVP for us. It's about the Super Bowl because we're going to have a great chance to get there, you know, looking at the landscape of the NFC. And I, I just, I'm confident in what we're doing right now as a team. But with Rodgers playing at this level, I'm even more confident. And it's, it's a, just a different year for us. It's not one of those years where you just hope Rodgers can get to a certain level for us to win. He's already at that level and he just has to continue that. It's a special year for us. I'm excited. Yeah, for the MVP, it's just, I would love to be able to call Rodgers a three-time MVP. Because I how many guys have ever won three MVPs? I know Manning, Brady, Favre. I think that might be it, honestly. That's, that's where it ends, I think. So Yeah, so, well, with how tight Mahomes and Rodgers' stats are, it's literally like, it's it's so controversial at this point. It's pick one. I mean, for me, it pretty clearly comes down to Rodgers just because of what's around him. But uh, I can see the case for Mahomes as well because I would argue he's probably the best player at his position. Maybe not right now, but, you know, he's the face of the NFL. I could see why people are arguing for Mahomes. It's so tight across every statistic, even like EPA, it's so tight. I think uh, I think Mahomes has the edge there. PFF grade, Aaron has the edge. It's it's also slight. So they could do the they could do the co MVP. Honestly, they haven't done that since 
like 2003, I think they did it. But uh, that would that would be crazy if they did the co-MVP, and that would suck, honestly. I would hate to share it, the award. State Farm would be pretty happy, though. <laughs> well, I with with the MVP, I think for Rodgers, he has the edge in my in my eyes because what we've talked about, how we feel like he's just more valuable to the team, and that's that's the name of the award. But in the statistics, you know, if you're looking just at that, even uh, Rodgers has a six touchdown lead uh, in in passing touchdowns, and and that's quite a margin. Rodgers is 39, and Mahomes has 33. You know, with Mahomes three picks on la- on that last Sunday game. He now has more interceptions than Aaron. Rodgers has a better passer rating. You know, the only thing Mahomes has a true statistical edge in when you're just looking at numbers is is yards, and that's because they're just throwing the ball at a much higher rate. Mahomes has, uh, I think, somewhere around 50, uh, 50 something more uh, throws than Aaron this year, um, and Rodgers is doing it at just as you know, almost just as many yards per play. Um, and uh, the only other thing you would you would say is. Well, Mahomes has Mahomes' team is a is sitting at a twelve and one record, um, but but for me, like we talked about, he's got so much surrounding him uh, that is putting him in such a better position to win. Whereas Aaron Rodgers, yes, he has Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, great O line, and and now a great head coach. But it's just different areas of the team, like the defense will let him down at times. You know, sometimes the wide receivers drop balls, and then it, it we can't win the game because of that. But he's doing so much for us that that we haven't been in that position. So if you look at those two guys from that angle, I just think it's it's Rogers' MVP to lose, and I think he's going to cement it uh, in these next three weeks. Yeah, the yards for Mahomes are the biggest advantage he has in the statistics. But it's like yards are so it's volume stats in general are kind of unreliable, and I think Mahomes has a has eight point five yards per attempt. Rogers has eight point two, so that puts it in perspective how many more attempts. Uh, Mahomes is getting with how many how much more yardage he has on the season so it's like Jameis Winston led the led the league in yards last year it's not that important of a stat it's I can see the value in it though when it's complemented by the other insane stats that Mahomes has with the the touchdowns and interceptions but uh, overall I don't think yards are that big of a deal when it comes to quarterbacks but you know you look at like obviously no one's going to argue this Mahomes has better weapons than Rodgers does and he it's the coaching you can't really determine, but most people would probably agree Andy Reid, better offensive scheme than Matt LaFleur has. But like Tyreek Hill, I would not say Tyreek Hill is a better receiver than Devontae Adams, right? But he's definitely a better weapon. You can score essentially from anywhere on the field with Tyreek Hill. At any point, he can just run straight by the defense and it's six points. Devontae Adams isn't that kind of receiver. He's a, you know, 15, 10-yard catches, move the sticks type of guy. And he's definitely valuable. He's definitely the best player at his position. But Tyreek Hill is more valuable to a quarterback, I would argue, than Devontae Adams. And that helps the yardage. That helps the points scored for uh, Patrick Mahomes. That helps the touchdowns. That helps everything. Having a guy who can just at any point score you six points. And then they've got the guy over there, Travis Kelsey, who leads the league in receiving right now, and he's at a tight end spot. Uh, so that tells you what they've got over there. They've got a good, really good defense in in the league this year, where defenses come at a premium, and there's not many good ones. The Chiefs have a good one, um, and and they've got yeah. a lot of good stuff. You know, they've got a good organization that surrounds him with a lot of a lot of good players. They've got probably three of the top, maybe even four of the top ten fastest players in football on that team, and. You know, Aaron doesn't have those guys that can get down the field quick enough. Rodgers just lays deep balls out there. Like 
that's what MV, that's what Mahomes gets to do. Rodgers has MVS as his lone deep threat, and he's good for about one or two plays <laughs> like that a game. But sometimes if MVS not, is your best deep threat, that's what it's I'm saying. not very good <laughs> because he'll drop like you don't know if he's going to catch it. He'll drop like fifty percent of the balls that Rodgers lays in his hands deep down the field, and you got yeah. the guys Tyree Kill, Miko Hardman, Sammy Watkins. Those are three of the fastest dudes in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. so that's what that's what inflates all the yardage, and it, yeah. it, that so that gives them so, such great offense that Rodgers just can't replicate with the scheme that we've got that that really relies on getting pretty much move, moving the sticks. We do throw the ball downfield, but we don't have the guys that do it at such a level that the Chiefs have. Yeah, it's throwing the ball downfield is harder for Green Bay than it is for Kansas City, and then with Travis Kelsey, like you said, he's forget tight ends he's probably one of the best pass catchers in football just the way he's able to find holes in the zones he's able to get open on every play and Mahomes is able to find him so you can equate Devonte adams to travis kelsey because he's a quarterback's best friend always open you can find him on every play but they have that plus tyreek hill and mccall hardman and sammy watkins who shows up every few games it's it's insane the what they have down in kansas city and then it's like they throw way more often than the Packers do. So it's it's a more quarterback advantageous uh, position that Patrick Mahomes is much more than Aaron Rodgers. And he's putting up just as good mo- numbers, probably even better numbers than Mahomes. So it's especially with Mahomes' performance on Sunday with three picks, almost lost his team the game. Uh, I definitely think the tide has shifted towards Aaron's favor. And the just from like Twitter and Instagram, the consensus seems to be Rodgers right now from what I've seen. While the Chiefs do have some great weapons, we've got good guys on our squad, and and one of them that's just really stayed hot these past few weeks, like you mentioned, Griff, is Robert Tunyon. Uh, He's becoming a real reliable weapon for Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. They're calling big plays for him, and and the one play that sticks out is they continue to give him the ball on these crucial third downs to end the game, Uh, and we've seen it, you know, I think at least two times in the past five weeks where it's third down, and this is to ice the game. If we and, and they think we're just going to run it and punt them with punt them the ball with extra time, um, but Rogers just you know roll out play action, Tunyon short pass wide open, get to the sticks, and that's the ball game. And to the trust in that guy to be able to go out and say we're going to call this play, you have to come up and make it and win us the game here. Uh, they've done it twice and it's worked twice, and it's fantastic to see that. And not to mention, you know, he's got nine touchdowns. He's got more touchdowns than incompletions. He's been targeted 52 times, caught 46 passes. So that's six incompletions going his way. And he's got nine touchdowns. That's that's incredible from a tight end, uh, a young tight end who's just breaking out this year, just getting real playing time this year. He's been fantastic for us, and I, I just can't wait to see what he does over the course of these next few weeks and heading into the playoffs. It's crazy that when Robert Tanyan is targeted, it's more likely to be a touchdown than an incompletion. That is that is insane. But when you're looking at the offensive improvement, it's the little things, right? It's one of them being Robert Tanyan being in snap to snap over Jimmy Graham, who Jimmy Graham was essentially a waste of an offensive player. He provided almost nothing to the offense. Just Robert Tanyan being in instead of him, a guy who's actually going to block people a guy who's actually gonna be open on occasions it's it's very uh very beneficial for the offense and Matt LaFleur continues to get him open in creative ways at the touchdown he scored was just a little play action boot leak play where he's just wide open 
defenses continue to ignore the tight end on these bootlegs. It's it's funny. We score on like one of them every week. Um, but he, Robert Tunyon is very reliable. He's, he catches everything thrown to him. Uh, it's just great to see the the improvement that he's made. Thinking back to 2018 in Seattle when Rodgers launched the 50-yard bomb to him and everyone was like, oh my God, Robert Tanyan, who's this guy? And to think of where he is now, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I remember that. And Rodgers said after the game, he thought it was Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, yeah. just, he's come so far, you know, and it's great to see that for him and 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 you mentioned that uh you know his blocking ability we saw a viral play it went it went all over all over the internet uh, where he made a block he just shoved the guy into his teammates and the Packers offensive line was able to just like put their hands on the four guys that went dominoes onto the ground like bowling pins uh, it was it was a great block and that was on that that key fourth down hole shot to MVS so everybody's like Matt Lafleur always says the cliche of player one eleventh. Uh, everybody's doing that. And when you've got that on a successful team with the locker room we've got, when everybody is contributing and it's just such a great environment, that's the team that goes and gets to the Super Bowl. And we've got the best locker room. We've got the best, just the best team chemistry. You could see it on the field every week. We've got the best team chemistry we've had in years over here. And it's just so exciting. And that starts with the coaching. The job that Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett have done of bringing this team together, bringing the chemistry together, coming off of Mike McCarthy's, the end of Mike McCarthy's tenure, where it was such a toxic environment in that locker room, the way Matt LaFleur was immediately able to come in and just gel everything together and seeing them all celebrate after every single touchdown, the gold celebration, all of that, it's it's amazing. And it's I you don't see this a lot in the NFL where teams are just so, the chemistry is just so tight and they're all, so good friends with each other and they all love each other and they all want to celebrate with each other. It's great stuff. And it makes you really wonder why Matt LaFleur is not in any of the coach of the year conversations. And he's not in any of the best coaches in the NFL conversations. He's been phenomenal for us as a leader, as a partner with Aaron Rodgers, as a head coach, uh, just as a, as a guy that all these players can trust and get behind. He's been that for all of them and, you know, all the way down the roster, the 53 guys on the main roster, and then you've got the 16 guys on the practice squad. He's been that, and it's brought so much to what we can do, not only on offense, but, you know, on special teams and defense. A lot of the successes can can be attributed to what he does as a locker room leader. Um, and I just, you know, you can't, you can't overstate how important he is to what we do. And like you said, he should be in every coach of the year conversation at the top of it because he's, and Rogers talks about it every week. He gushes over the play calling, the scheme, the plan. It's just everything, you know, everything is in sync and it's because of what Aaron Rodgers and him are doing as a partnership. Yeah. His, his and Aaron's relationship is insane the way they trust each other, the way they build the offense. It's the two of them working together every week. And a lot of a lot of people, I assume, discount Matt LaFleur's coaching credentials because he has Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, they're saying that Aaron Rodgers is washed last year. They're, he's not the same quarterback. So who does this credit go to? And then you think back to think back to 2018 when Mike McCarthy was fired. What was the discussion? We They got to find a coach who can rebuild Aaron Rodgers. 
they found that. Go go watch a game from 2016, where which was the last time that Rodgers was playing as well as he is right now, and then watch a game now. It's literally a different quarterback. It's literally a different offensive scheme. He's gotten Aaron to buy into a completely different schematic offense. He's doing things that Mike McCarthy never did. He's doing things that Aaron didn't like when uh when Matt LaFleur was hired, like play action, like pre-snap motion. These are things that Aaron wasn't comfortable with, but now he is, and look how well the offense is doing. It's it's great to see from Matt LaFleur being able to come in and literally just rebuild Rodgers into a different quarterback as he enters the back nine of his career. Yeah, it's about what Rodgers is having success with now, and you just mentioned it. He's doing things differently. It's it's pretty clear. And if you look back and watch that Super Bowl that we won, Rodgers comes out of the pocket, and it's just, uh, you know, he's dropping back, and it's the same drop back, same drop back every time. And he's got the quick feet. He's a lot quicker dropping back. And then you go to today, and every week he's coming out timing his drop backs perfectly in sync with the receiver's routes. And we also see some of the stuff he used to do, where he's escaping the pocket, buying time, and and coming and get completions. So he's doing some things the same, but a lot of it is just the experience he's garnered over the years and what Matt LaFleur, Nathaniel Hackett, and the rest of the guys, Luke Getze and others, have done to, to make him what he is today now, which is really the best player in football at this moment. So things have changed, but for the better. Um, and he's just playing at such a high level where he can do it all now. There's no limitations in his game. Yeah, we're tr- finally seeing him become the pocket passer assassin that we've always known he could be, but he's never had to. I mean, you could argue the past couple of years he's probably had to become that, but early on in his career, he's always been insanely accurate, but he was also insanely athletic. He was also great. He was literally Patrick Mahomes. What Pat Mahomes is now, that was Aaron Rodgers five, six years ago. So we were all okay with him being the the scramble backyard football type of guy. But once that started to taper off, someone needed to get him to settle down, take your drop back, hit the top of your or hit the hit the back foot and get rid of the football. And he's doing that now. And all that credit has to go to Matt LaFleur for literally rebuilding him into a different quarterback. Definitely. And it, it starts with the coaches, like you said. And it's also you gotta give Aaron a lot of credit because he's done some soul searching. He's done a lot of you know, just self-reflection and also self-scouting. Uh, we talked about, you know, the 2010 film he was looking at. The 2010 all film. What that, did he find in the 2010 film? I guess we'll never know, but it's working. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's working. And he's done a lot on his end to get himself in the right mind space, especially, you know, after all this Jordan Love, you know, we drafted a quarterback. I mean, gosh, that's got to take a toll on the guy who, you know, not playing his best football. He knows he can be better. Um, and then they go take a guy that in the first round, they trade up for him. We know the whole narrative and that's gotta be, that, that had to be tough on him. And now he comes out with the best attitude he's had in his whole career. And he's really, by, by doing what he's doing right now, playing at this level, having the best attitude, being the best leader, the whole nine yards, he's doing everything right. And by doing that, he's showing to this front office, you know, maybe they made a mistake. They definitely made a mistake. Uh, but he, he's showing them what he is and how valuable he is to this franchise. And you throw all that in, and that's why he's the MVP. It's even more than the, the stuff he's doing on the field. He's the MVP because without him, this franchise, I'm not sure, would win a game. Yeah. How much, how much of a factor do you realistically think Jordan Love was in the rejuvenation of Aaron Rodgers? 
I think it was a factor because it probably put everybody on notice more more so than motivation for him. I think it probably put him more on notice than anything just because the idea that he could leave Green Bay was never a possibility. And then this comes now and, and he really, I think um, he started to understand like, okay, they just took a quarterback. So they've obviously got other ideas. Um, and, you know, that remains to be seen. I still think based on the way he's now playing as a result of that, only because now he's been on notice and he decided to do a lot of things on his end, like we just talked about. Uh, and for all those reasons combined, he's a better player. Uh, so I think he's just more on notice that, you know, he wants to stay in Green Bay for his whole career and he's trying to do that. Um, and by playing at this level, it's going to make it hard for the front office to move on from him. So in a way, do you think it was Galaxy Brain by Brian Gutekunst bringing in Jordan Love and, oh, what do you know, your MVP quarterback is an MVP again? That <laughs> If he can trade Jordan Love for something a, a good draft pick like a second rounder maybe even a first rounder then I'll, I'll take the I'll take the wasted 2020 first round pick well if if Jordan Love is going to get traded I expect it to be soon and I'm not going to you know I'm not going to say it's going to happen but I would expect it to be this offseason or the next because especially if Rodgers continues to play at this level if I mean if you've got the MVP of football they're not going to get rid of this guy. You can't I mean, I, you can. They can't. This it would. I mean, making a decision like that would alter the entire city of Green Bay and the entire Packers fandom. It would just. It would be the entire state. It would be earth shattering to make that move. It would be. You know, you talk about these these fans. They 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 talk about how the fans own the team. The fans own the team. Well, this would be an absolute stab in the back to every football fan in Green Bay. Um, so I, you know, if they made that move, it'd be just detrimental to everything they do. Um, especially, you know, especially when you get this guy, he's playing MVP level. I mean, that just, it does, it's not going to happen. They won't do it. They just, they don't have the guts to make that move. And if they did, it'd be, it'd be too costly for them. It would just be too costly. He is everything to that organization. Yeah. And he has been for so long. That's, that's a move that goes beyond football where you, you got to factor in off the field aspects of that decision into into whenever they trade him and i feel like it would be so green bay packers to trade him if he's playing like this at this level in two years it would be so green bay but if he's playing at this level there's it would be so it would be the worst thing this organization organization has ever done since drafting tony mandrich <laughs> yeah, passing up room? on Barry Sanders. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Up on Barry we were live for that one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But look, yeah. all right. Let's move on to the defense here. We've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, uh, which is a, becoming a weekly thing now, I guess. But you know, it's just incredible how well he's playing, and just you know, it's it's great to have him at this level. And and Griff, you understand this, and just as every Packer fan does, when he's playing at this level. Uh, we've got more than a chance to get back to the Super Bowl, and this is something that uh, I feel good about. So, you know, we'll move on here to the defense, Griff. I I really like the way we did on the run defense aspect of the game, um, but the one thing we thought we had a real strong impact on throughout this season is is having nobody be able to really pass on us, and we saw the Lions do that on Sunday. Yeah, it's just... It's. I think we got too excited these last two weeks facing Mitch Trubisky and then facing uh, 
Carson Wentz, two of the worst quarterbacks in football. So I was expecting kind of a, a wake-up call here against Matthew Stafford and an actual talented quarterback and a good offense overall. And yeah, the passing offense or the passing defense, excuse me, from the Green Bay Packers was not good and not what we were hoping for, to say the least. But I think it, it comes down to the middle of the field, everything inside. Jair, outstanding. Adrian Amos, pretty good. Darnell Savage, playing outstanding right now. Uh, Kevin King, unreliable, but he's a good, he's a good, reliable cornerback. Everything inside of that is mayhem. You never know what you're going to get. Christian Kirksey stinks. Chandon Sullivan, you never know what you're getting with him. And then Will Redmond is getting all of uh, Raven Green snaps. I know you love that one, Braun. What is he doing on the field? He cannot play. It's very oh, bad. Gosh. And teams are attacking it. Well, look, the middle of the field is just absolutely awful. Uh, it's in the passing game more even than the run game. Because in the run game, the Lions only ran the ball 15 times. Kind of shocking. You'd that think, is shocking. I, I, Every t- every time you think you know we're gonna go into a game, we always talk about well this team has X running back, they're gonna run all over us. But in the end here, we we saw the first shootout of the year passing the football, uh, and that ended up being the Lions targeting these guys, you know, like like Marvin Jones and others who just Ooh, Marvin Jones you know, destroys us every time he plays us. It's it's and so Danny Amendola too. Both of those yeah. guys, we have a hard time against the Lions. You know, because yeah. they, they seem to consistently are – they're able to pass the football against us consistently every time we play them. Yeah, for, for years it was Stephon Diggs and Marvin Jones. Uh, four times a year they would just eat us alive. And, you know, Stephon Diggs is gone, thank God. But Marvin Jones continues to uh, dominate the Packers. And he had that one catch that luckily was ruled incomplete for whatever reason. But we caught a break on that caught one for sure. You know, this is a game where we never really got too comfortable. Obviously, we, we had good leads at different points, but – you know, we ran the ball 31 times, and that's twice as many times as the Lions ran it, uh, which was surprising. I mean, it's just weird. And but but like like we just talked about, they had so much success in the passing game where they they just weren't running the ball, and it it was tough because the guys that we had on the field, Will Redmond, you know, playing a lot of the snaps that Raven Green was playing, and others, Christian Kirksey in there, who you know he makes a good player too every game, but there's a lot of times where he gets exposed. Um, Chris Barnes was in there and, and he's, you know, he played 40 snaps, but the one guy that didn't play that would have been probably better in a lot of different situations who has a good impact on coverage, you know, when he's in the game, it's Kamal Martin. And this guy's not playing for some reason. He had 12 snaps in this game. He's completely healthy. Uh, and he just, he's been positively graded on PFF in every game he's played in, but he hasn't played in more than, he hasn't played in more than 40, 45 snaps this year um and in the last four weeks he hasn't played more than 25 snaps that is i don't understand what it is it's so weird this guy is easily he's the most impactful player in the middle of the field for us easily this year it's not it's it's not even close christian kirksey just isn't as good as him right now and he played 12 snaps i don't understand it i mean is will redmond really a better player than kamal martin in coverage i don't think so I really don't think so. This guy, he had two penalties on special teams. Uh, this guy's uh, two weeks ago against the Eagles. This guy is supposed to be our special teams ace. He comes out and gets two penalties, and he's supposed to be our special teams ace. I don't understand it. He can't play defense. He can't play special teams. And this guy's out there on the field on a consistent basis. It's hard to comprehend what the guys are doing there in that coaching staff. I, I don't get it. 
Because if you put him at safety, he's going to allow a big play. If you put him in the middle of the field, he's not going to be able to make a tackle. And then there's nowhere else for him to go. So the only other place for me that I'd put him is the bench. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, he's not good. I I didn't know Kamal Martin was playing so few snaps. That is insane. Christian Kirksey? Are you kidding me? Christian Kirksey is legitimately the worst linebacker in football right now. He's he's not good. He is not good at all. He's way under what we expected him to how we expected him to perform right now. Well, and, okay, I don't know. Look, he had one good pass coverage play uh in the last two games. He's had one each. Other than that, not good. But he's he's not the I don't know if he's the worst linebacker in football. Um but he's not playing good enough. That's for sure. We can both agree on that. Uh we need better play in the middle of the field. But what the crazy thing is, you look at how Adrian Amos is playing. Lights out. How Darnell Savage is playing. He's playing awesome football. Jair Alexander. Alexander's playing incredible football. It's crazy because our secondary is in lockdown mode every week. Kevin King did not have a good game. But the rest of the secondary is playing great. And when when the Lions are passing all over us, you wonder what the issue is because we've got two of our four secondary players playing elite football. And then you look at the film and you watch the game and Shannon Sullivan is struggling mightily at slot corner, a guy who was undrafted that we're supposed to be trusting out there. He makes a good play here and there, and then on 90% of the other snaps, he struggles against everybody in front of him. I wonder why. He's an undrafted free agent, maybe. Maybe you don't start him every week. Well, to be fair, Chandon has showed a lot of good things last year, and early on in this year, he showed a lot of good things. But right now, he's not Yeah, so did Geronimo Allison, Griff. And (laughs) he was an undrafted free agent, and then he fell off the map after he had... You know, he'll make... (laughs) He makes one good, two good, three good plays a year, and and then he comes out and and is just awful for two seasons in a row, and then we finally let him go. But other than yeah. that, you know, and that's I forgot about Gmo, these man. undrafted free agents. These undrafted free agents come out and play good. They play decent football, and then they they are what they are, which is undrafted free agents, and then they start to play like it, and then we're all shocked, and we continue to play them, hoping that. They'll, they'll be a star when in reality they got hot for a few games and they're an undrafted free agent. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah. And I'm not saying so the you go out right. and you bet Shannon Sullivan. I'm not saying you do that, but he shouldn't be playing. You know, I, I would like to see Josh Jackson in there more. He doesn't even play yeah. barely. Yeah, he doesn't even play. Why? That's He doesn't bizarre. play. He's, he got, this is he got sat. Bron, this is the thing with the Packers' defense. You wonder why they have so much talent everywhere on the field other than a few positions. It comes down to Michael Pettin. Why isn't Josh Jackson playing? Why isn't Kamal Martin playing? Why is Chandon Sullivan playing so much? And why is Christian Kirksey playing so much? Granted, Pettin's been doing some good things recently. He's blitzing more than he was. He's pressing up on the line. He's Not many three-man rushes. Yeah, if we haven't seen any of those as of late, he's using Darnell Savage as a chess piece. That's nice to see, but it's still these stupid things. Christian Kirksey has given up five touchdowns this year, the most by any inside linebacker in the league. And how many games has he missed? Teams are attacking him. And wow, his only interception this year was the one against the Colts where Phillip Rivers way overthrew it. Christian Kirksey was in not in a good spot. He was like five yards behind a guy, but... 
Rivers gifted it to him, thank God. He's got a 131.5 passer rating on targets. That's the highest by any inside linebacker. And he's been targeted 38 times, and he's allowed 34 receptions. He is not good, and teams are attacking him. And it makes you wonder, why isn't Kamal Martin on the field? I have no idea. Christian Kirksey is not good, and he doesn't have any explosiveness that we thought he might have when we signed him. He lost that. You're right about that. He He looks sluggish. He's so slow out there. Where Kamal Martin is the exact opposite. We're using whenever, yep. whenever Kamal's on the field, he gets a blitz or two a game. And it's insane the way he's able to jump the snap and he's in the quarterback's lap by the time he gets the ball in his hands. So why can't we just use him like that? But in coverage, it's probably better than what Kirksey is providing. I'll tell you this. We're getting killed in the middle of the field, and it has a lot to do with the fact that we can't cover slot receivers because Chandon Sullivan is struggling and whoever else is covering slot receivers. It's mostly Chandon. It's Will Redmond. Those guys are struggling. And you talk about Christian Kirksey, who can't cover running backs and tight ends out of the backfield. And obviously when receivers get on him somehow, it's a nightmare as well. So that's an issue. I mean, we've got to figure out what's going on there. You know, Andy Herman, the guy who we had on this podcast, uh, great Packers beat writer, he he talked about possibly moving Jair in the slot more often. And I, I don't disagree with that because then you could put Josh Jackson out on the boundary, which, you know, he had he's had success there. He, he's played there this year. Kevin King was out for a long period of time, and Josh played some decent football. He wasn't terrible. I just don't understand why he's now sitting after, you know, starting games this year. It just doesn't make any sense the way this, this coaching staff thinks sometimes on defense. And, yeah. you know, Will Redmond, he, he's playing so much. It's like something's going on here. Why don't you jumble something up a little bit, get Darnell Savage closer to the ball, Adrian Amos. We got to move somebody with talent in that middle of the field area to make more plays and prevent some of those big plays from happening. In a lot of ways, I think this is just – this is the defense that we have, and we're going to have to di- we're gonna have to live with it. And the offense is going to have to be good enough where it doesn't matter. But there are still these things that Mike Patton just isn't doing, and it makes you scratch your head. And when every week, even against the worst offenses in football, like the Bears, the Eagles before Jalen Hurts, we are allowing teams to come in the back door and in the later parts of the games. It's it's consistent every week. And this week, it almost bit us in the ass. The Lions could have won this game. They literally could have won because our defense, I don't know what it is, but they let up in the fourth quarter every single week. I think you're right about that. And a lot of it has to do with how easy some of those things are coming to teams that can throw. I mean, Danny Amendola was getting open on so many different plays. Kevin King, who on paper is probably a really nice matchup with a guy, physical, long, Marvin Jones gets downfield. Kevin King's a pretty good matchup with him. Uh, but Marvin Jones was taking advantage of that all night long. Uh, you know, it's hard. It's really hard when things are coming so easy to another team, and, and that's really how it, things get let back in the game. Um, another guy, Vernon Scott. He played 15 snaps against the Lions. Looked real good. He he was actually PFF's highest-graded player for, for the Packers' defense, over a 90-grade. You know, he's a hard hitter, seventh-round pick, TCU. Good, Good-looking player here. We've seen some good things out of him. He could tackle. Uh, and like we said, he could hit. So that's not a guy that you go and try him out there. Put him in the spots that Will Redmond is getting every week because he's a problem. And I've said it so many, you know, a hundred times, just anybody out there besides him, we might find something, uh, just an improvement, something that can put us a little bit over the top where things aren't coming that easy and teams can't just find things so easy to get back in the game. 
yeah, it's, there there is definitely room for improvement with this defense, and if just these little things that Mike Patton could be doing, just you know, he has made improvements over the course of the season. The three man rushes have stopped. Uh, I haven't seen Preston Smith on many tight ends recently. I haven't seen Kenny Clark in coverage a whole lot. So at least he's doing these things right. And, you know, the blitzing, that's definitely up. Darnell Savage, closer to the ball. You love to see that stuff. But there's still so many things wrong with this defense that just frustrate you as a Packer fan. And along with the special teams, because that continues to be just just horrible. I Really, a 71-yard kickoff return. Mason Crosby had to save the day a week after giving up a punt return touchdown to Jalen Rager. Look, this is stuff. It's a combination of defense and special teams. Why? We're never able to pull away from teams. We're never able to cover the spread against these bad teams because they always come in the back door. Like, think back to the Jags game. That that was a four-point game against the 1-12 Jacksonville Jaguars because of a punt return touchdown that actually made us have to step on the gas a little bit. And then the Eagles last week, that game was over, done with, but then a Jalen Rager touchdown return and oh, the game on, game's still going. It's like, did this franchise, uh, what is the most infamous moment of this franchise in playoff history? It's the Brandon Bostig botched onside kick. You'd think they would care more about this stuff. This is like, this could, this could bite us in the ass again in the playoffs, the special teams, how bad it is. It already has almost several times this year. So it's so frustrating that we've, we're never able to put together a good special teams unit. When's the last time we had a punt return touchdown, a kickoff return touchdown? I think it was Micah Hyde in 2015 or 2014. It's just, we're always bad. And Sean Menenga, does he have a clue? I don't know. No, look, I mean, we haven't had a return touchdown. We haven't had, remember, what was the last time we had a blocked kick, a blocked punt, any of that? I mean, it just hasn't happened. And it's a problem. We just don't have the special teams unit that a lot of these great teams like the Patriots have had over so many years, uh, that the Chiefs have now, that a lot of these great teams that are Super Bowl contenders, that's the one thing we really lack. Uh, but, you know, there's room for improvement. That's the only that's the only positive thing about this on even defense as well. There's a lot of room to improve. And it just takes us, you know, just to get clicking here. And the hotter we get, the the better chance we'll have. And you know, there's a lot of issues on the special team side, but, you know, Randy Ramsey made a real nice hit um, on a punt that looked real good. He had that a great a play tackle. there. That was a good play. And, and there's a lot of a lot of good things that you see, you know, time and time again. But then there's also, you know, the special teams is good now for like one every one, one long return every game. Uh, and Mason Crosby, really the only reliable player on the special teams, period, of course, he made the tackle and saved the day, like you mentioned. But he also saved the day with a 57-yard bomb to put the backers up 10 points late in the fourth quarter. That really sealed the deal for us, and it was such an impressive kick. Matt LaFleur and him both talked about how, uh, you know, they were going to punt it. Matt LaFleur looked at him and said, can you make this? You know, they had a line that was, you know, he, that wasn't as far as that they had planned to go uh, in a potential kick. And, and Mason Crosby gave the thumbs up and, of course, just boots it in gorgeous kick and that was a just a great great way to end a big win and clinch the nfc north um just a, a great all-around moment for him because he's been through a lot over these past couple of years and dating back to that terrible terrible game he had in that when he stadium four or five kicks in that stadium and what a great way to rebound for him uh, and a great win for the green bay packers obviously mason crosby might be the most underrated player in the nfl 
like no one talks about him. He is he's great. He's one of the, he's probably him and Justin Tucker are probably the best kickers in the league. And I, I don't even know if anyone other than Packer fans know his name. Like, why does no one talk about him? I don't know. But yeah, he's great. Ever since that kick, yeah, he's missed, what, like three kicks since that awful day in Detroit? He's been insane. What, he, what he's gone through, like you said, with uh, his personal life, it's it's great to see him succeeding on the field. And the whole team loves him. He's like the grandpa of the locker room, it seems. It's it's great. I love Mason. Yeah, with, with him and Aaron, who... We heard today about how they've just been through so much together, being really the two oldest guys in in the locker room and really experiencing all these highs and lows, the new coaches, all that. You know, they they were together with Mike McCarthy from the beginning. They're here now, obviously, with Matt LaFleur, all these new players in and out. No Jordy Nelson anymore, no Clay Matthews anymore, no Randall Cobb, you know, just no Charles Woodson, all these guys. It's just they've seen guys in and out, and but they're the only two that have been through it all. So, um Pretty cool, and hopefully this is the year where they both experience another Super Bowl together. Yeah, but staying on special teams, J.K. Scott continues to be in a horrible punter. I, I don't know why. I don't know why he's more well known than Mason Crosby. It seems like everyone people love J.K. Scott. I, I think it's a meme. I don't know, but he's got the third lowest uh, punt yardage net wise. Like he's not good. He he underwhelms every week. I don't I don't like the guy, and he's probably Gutekunst's worst draft pick. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean he was a he was a fifth round pick too which hurts a lot yeah what are you I, doing for me, i don't you don't pick i don't know you just don't pick a punter that high yeah you just i think you find one it's a different scenario when you're talking about drafting kickers and punters and you know on day two or three like um i don't know i it's so much easier to find a veteran guy and hope he sticks like it's hard to draft a guy and when he's not playing well you have to stick with him because you drafted him um, what was struck- wrong with Jake Schum? I don't know. He played great. He's play- he, <laughs> he played did. better than he played better than uh, than JK has ever played for us. And yeah, he's still out there, believe it or not. But you know, we continue to roll with this young guy that <laughs> is struggling. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I don't know if making a switch right now is like a great thing. But it, I don't know if it would hurt or anything. But I don't know. He's just not playing good football. I hope that he can put it together here but it's just it's been consistently bad for him and you know he had a punt inside the 20 uh but he also booted one into the end zone uh in a similar spot so you take the yeah good i thought he was gonna pin that one a lot more bad yeah yeah but of course it rolls into the end zone that was expected yeah i'm well you know you take the good with the bad with him but it's been a lot more bad recently yeah i don't know let's Let's talk about this Panthers game, Braun. We we've talked almost an hour here about the about the Lions game. We've had some good discussion, but let's look ahead to this Saturday night. Uh, Saturday night football: Packers versus the Panthers, Lambeau Field, freezing cold. It's going to be a great time. And the Panthers are not having a good year, but you know they've they've put up some good games against some good teams like Kansas City. I think they were up fourteen three on Kansas City early on in that one. But uh, yep. they're definitely nothing to, nothing to sneeze at. They can they can come in and shock us if we let them. So it's going to be tough. And you know, Mike Davis is a guy who really scares you because it doesn't look like Christian McCaffrey is going to play. But Mike Davis is still he's a hard running running back who could I could easily see tearing up the Packers. You know, awful run defense. 
I'm honestly a little bit more concerned with the passing game that they potentially could have because they've got three really nice, fast, uh, strong route running receivers. They've got DJ Moore, who has done good things this year, a little bit inconsistent for them. Robbie Anderson has been more consistent, but kind of the same story, but they're both talented. And then they've got a guy who's came on really well recently for them in Curtis Samuel. Uh, So those three guys are going to be hard to defend because they're fast. They they're really, really athletic and and they put them in a great situation when they need to pass down the field. Um, So they have, they do have success in the passing game. Teddy Bridgewater is no joke. You know, he could play in this league. He's had a lot of, a lot of success and, uh, you know, I the running game is another issue though. He Mike Davis has been good for them. He's been a great replacement when Christian McCaffrey can't go. Um, but I, you know, it's it's a little bit of a concerning game on offense for for you know our defense to have to defend. But I'm not extremely worried about it. But they they do have guys that can play. Yeah, and McCaffrey being out, the Panthers have been a worse offense with McCaffrey in, with uh, McCaffrey in the game actually. So it's like him being out him being in the game means that a lot of teams do this. They're just going to feed the running back the ball on every play when they don't really have to. And it's probably more harmful for their offense to do that. So him being out, let's probably lets them put the ball in Bridgewater's hands more often. He was always been a great distributor, nothing special, nothing elite, but he's, he can get the ball to the open guy. And then the speed they have on offense with their receiving, with their uh, receiving core, like you mentioned with Robbie Anderson, who can score at any time, uh, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, that definitely does scare you. And uh, I can, I can see if we're able to put up points on offense, this is always the story. If we're able to put up points, they're not going to be able to run the ball. So it is going to come down to how well can Bridgewater throw against the Packers defense. And I could see a scenario where he is able to find open guys pretty often and they could put up a lot of points here, but uh, hopefully we're able to stay strong as a defensive secondary and prevent that from happening. I think it really, you know, depending on whether this is a shootout or not, it's going to, it's going to really all hinge on what their offensive line can do and what our pass rush can do against that offensive line. Basically Uh, for me, that's, that's going to decide how this game goes. Uh, I just think if, if our defense can get home, that's where we disrupt obviously all the things they want to do running the football and passing obviously. So, uh, if we're able to do that, that'll put us in a lot better of a spot. But if we can't get home as often as we like, we can't get the pressure we like, then things start to get into where you're talking about a likely shootout scenario where, of course, you feel good. You know, we're the best offense in football, um, and that defense isn't anything spectacular. So you do feel good. Um, but in a shootout, anything can go, you know, things just happen. You know, turnovers could could change the game. Um, and, and it's about possession by possession. That's how, that's how it goes in a shootout. So, um, we're going to just have to hope that our defense can, can do the job. We're going to have to hope that the defense can step up, make stops when we need them and then avoid a shootout with that team. Yeah. I think the game plan on defense has to be blitz Teddy Bridgewater on early downs, speed up the mental clock, take advantage of a not great offensive line get him to force some balls maybe and create some turnovers. I think that has to be the game plan against a quarterback like Bridgewater. But uh, on the offensive side of the ball, this Panthers defense is very young, very exploitable. You know, they drafted all defense in the draft this year. So it's very young and it's a defense that doesn't really know what they're doing a whole lot of the time. And this weekend they made Drew Locke look like a good quarterback. So it should be another great game for the Packers offense, another 30 point game. Uh, And I think, the, the wheels should keep rolling for the Packers offense this week. 
Something really, really crazy to think about is thinking about, you know, what we did last year, um, where every game was a bit of a struggle, low, more low scoring than anything. We've put up 10 out of the 13 games this year. We've put up 10 30-point games. That's remarkable. We lead that the league in scoring. Nuts. We continue to lead the league in scoring. Um the amount of just the passing game in general, so much more explosive than it was last year, so much more efficient. Um, you, you just put all that in perspective, and it's it's really surprising, um, and it's really exciting as well. Talking about a team that went thirteen and three, uh, we're having a lot of success. We're winning games. We get to the NFC Championship game. You know that that excites you about what we could potentially do in a game in the playoffs where we know we have the better offense than their defense. We know we're going to, we're going to be the better team on that side of the ball every game with any team. So it just excites you for what we could potentially do to move on farther than we have in recent years. Yeah. This offense is really a lot like, like Brady's Patriots where it's dink, dunk, dink, dunk. And then all of a sudden 40 yards over your head, MVS touchdown. And we, we continue to do that. We, we continue to do that week in and week out and going against a defense like the Panthers with schematically the the offense is more run the ball, play action, illusion of complexity as LaFleur always says. So you think in theory that could probably take advantage of the Panthers young defense that uh, probably doesn't really know what they're doing. And obviously they're out of the playoffs, so they don't have a whole lot to play for other than individual, you know, this is their job. So it, it, I'm expecting another great performance from the Packers offense. Yeah, I'd certainly hope so. And we talk about what Lambeau Field means to our success. Uh, and hopefully we see more of that because this is a night game. Uh, you'd like to hope it's it's in the high 20s at most. Hopefully it is. Um, and if that's the case, you know, even hopefully, you know, forecast will might change. We'll see some precipitation, hopefully. Uh, all that puts fun. the puts the Packers in a better position, you know, and, and I'd like to see that. Uh, we could use some practice playing in those conditions against a team that maybe we go we should go out and beat. I'd like to see us have some success in the conditions uh, that we're going to be seeing if we get this bye that we're right now in position to get. You're getting me excited, Ron. Thinking of a snow game, NFC Championship game in the snow, yeah. Lambeau Field. Oh, that'd be great. That'd well, be great. we're in position for it now. We're yeah. After the Saints lost to the Eagles, the team we just beat out. the week before – we just have to win out. We're sitting at the number one seed right now. If we beat this Panthers team, if we beat this Titans team, and we beat the Bears who we've already blown out this year, uh, you're looking at the number one seed in the NFC, the only buy, and for the first time in Aaron Rodgers' tenure, a potential Green Bay Packers NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. We could see that for the first time. Um, it's exciting. I, I mean, the playoffs right now, uh, we sit at the top, and it's it's hard to not get excited about the potential of getting that by, getting a week off, getting healthy, preparing for the two teams you may face, the, the few teams, whoever it is, and then getting to feel like you're going to be in a great spot because they're coming to our house. They're going to have to yeah. face the wrath of the Lambeau cold, the Lambeau snow, uh, and it's gonna be it's going to be good. We're going to have a great shot to do that. It's very exciting, very exciting. You know, the Chiefs play the the Saints this week, so even the Packers, assuming that the Saints don't win that game, you know, we don't know the status of Drew Brees, but assuming that the Chiefs win that game, which they they probably should, 
the Packers can still afford to lose another game, which next week's game against the Titans is pretty scary. And I don't know how that's going to play with Derrick Henry running the ball the way he is. But uh, hopefully this game against the Panthers isn't a trap game. Hopefully they're not looking ahead too much because the only thing that stops this offense, and it did this week at times once again, is when they get in, get in their own way. So hopefully they stick to going 1-0 this week, as LaFleur always says, and they take care of business. The one thing that we have to be sure of is if we're going to lose a game, the Chief, well, let's hope the Chiefs beat the Saints. That's obviously like the number one thing we'll be looking at um, apart from, you know, after because we'll be done with our game Saturday night. Hopefully we've won. Um, but even if we do, we're going to have to watch that Chiefs game because the Chiefs are going to have to come out on top. And if they do, that enters the scenario where we could lose to the Titans but losing to the Bears rather puts us in a bit of a tougher spot because that's an NFC team. Our NFC record against a team like the Seahawks or the Rams would then be worse unless they lose a game that might be surprising. You know, if you do all the the math and all that, it, it puts it in some tough spots where we, you know, if, if all the likely scenarios pan out, we might not be that number one seed if we go out and lose to the Bears as opposed to the Titans. So if we go out, none of this matters if we beat all three teams that we face, we're going to be the number one seed. Uh, but if the Saints lose this game, there's, you know, we still have to make sure we go out and win because there are scenarios where teams, either the Rams or the Seahawks, they can come out and overtake us, even though we've, we have the advantage over the Saints. If we finish with the same record as a team like the Seahawks or the Rams, then that enters the scenario where we could be number two or number three. Right. So it's just... Focus on what's in front of you. Go one and zero every week. You control your own destiny. Get that NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. That'll be nice. Hopefully, it plays out that way. Uh, what are your score predictions here, Bron? How do you think this is gonna shake out on the scoreboard? Yeah, I'm gonna give the Panthers a good good number here, and I do think we come out and get the win. Of course, um, I see I see us getting thirty again. I think we go up and get thirty eight, and I'm gonna give the Panthers twenty six. Uh, so we win by two possessions, but the Panthers get their money's worth. Um, and I think we're going to look good doing it. It's going to be a game where you, you know, everybody's going to be watching Saturday night. It's not, it's a rare occurrence when football is played on Saturday. So people are going to be watching and it's going to, it's going to be that game where you really key in on the fact that the Green Bay Packers are the best team in the NFC. And it's going to be tough for any other team that comes out and plays them because the NFC is going to likely run through Lambeau Field. Yeah, this is a game where we show our dom- dominance on a national stage. Aaron proves his case for MVP, MVP even more than he already has. Uh, I'm thinking this is a 41-24 type of type of ball game here, where we just beat up on a team we're better than, and that's how it should be. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back after hopefully a, a good game against the Panthers, and you know you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube as well. Uh, Thanks again for listening. See you next week. Go Pack Go. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Go Pack Go.